Hello, hello. My name is Carla, and welcome back to the Becoming Her podcast. In today's episode, I have a lovely guest. She, oh my gosh, as soon as I saw her and as soon as she was explaining her uh, journey to get to where she is, uh, I was like, I have to speak to her. She's super wise. She's young. She's currently going to school. And I honestly think she's going to be the next rising star on TikTok and on YouTube. So please welcome Alvina. Hello, hello. So excited to be here, Carla. Yes, like I said before, thank you so much for saving time. I know that you're a busy gal. Uh, So (laughs) let's get into first impressions. The first video I ever saw of yours was when you were speaking about how your parents ran their business. In particular, how your dad would give, correct me if I'm wrong, how your dad would manage his relationship with his business and your mom, how she had a she had a lot to do with the business as well or her names her name was on the business something like that that was like the first video i ever saw of you yeah that's correct so the way my parents run their business is my dad is leading it but on documents the majority of the business is under my mom's name they're doing this for the purposes of making sure that it's fair division between their work because both of my parents always wanted my dad to be a main provider but they don't believe that only one person can financially benefit from somebody being a provider. So in order to ensure that there is security in our family, (laughs) the majority of the things are written under my mom's name. That's so awesome. And see, that's so rare to hear, I guess, a little bit more on like modern day culture. A lot of people think that if, let's say that we didn't know the context of your family, right? A lot of people would be like, oh my gosh, she's a Hulk. She's a, she's a gold <laughs> digger, right? And it's like, no, when you, when you think long-term and you're creating a family, when, when you love someone, the only thing you want like, is the best for them, right? So if something were to happen to your dad, I'm assuming he's like, okay, three steps ahead. She's taken care of. My children are taken care of. We're good to go. So I love that perspective. And that's what really intrigues me into your content because you came from a place of, I understand I am quote unquote privileged, uh, but here's how we think. Like, let me, let me, let me let you in in a little secret. So I absolutely love that. And you don't have to share, you know, all that information that you do share all the little secrets, but I love that you give us a little glimpse into your world. It's, it's pretty awesome. Thank you so much. That's the goal because I see so much of fakeness on social media and a lot of people claim that they're self-made when Mm -hmm. in reality I know who their parents are. (laughs) That's why to me it seems like this is a little ridiculous but it's not as funny because people mental health really depends on this and people go online and they see that okay there is this 25 years old and they already have a business and they're traveling all over the world. How come I'm not there yet? But then they're just not telling you that they had this head start and you're not behind anybody. It's just some people were born with privilege, but they hate admitting this. So I'm trying to change this. Yeah. And and that's why I'm saying, like, I feel like that's why your audience is so captivated by you, because you're like, I recognize that I had a head start. But let me tell you what my parents did so that you could have that quote unquote head start for your children. Like, I, I really like the perspective that you took on it because I feel like you receive less hate for it because you recognize it, which is great. (laughs) Yes, it is great not to receive as much hate on TikTok, which is so (laughs) rare. (laughs) And so this leads me to my following question. What got you into social media? Yes. So just like everybody else, when the pandemic started, I downloaded TikTok just for fun. Uh, And I wasn't really consistent with it. I was just posting random videos. But what's changed everything for me is when the full invasion of Ukraine has happened in Mm -hmm. February 2022, Mm -hmm. I decided that apart from donating and volunteering, I can also start spreading awareness. Mm -hmm. So I started being consistent and posting everyday updates about what is going on in Ukraine and talking about hate. It was very difficult because when you're talking about something political, people have very strong opinions. Yes. And one of the things is I would often get reported, for example, by Russian bots, and I started being shadow banned. And back then, I thought that this is the biggest problem of my life, which actually turns into the biggest blessing, because I created a new account. And on the second account, I decided not to talk about politics, but Mm -hmm. to talk about myself. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what exactly to talk about. So the first video I made, it was about rent transparency in Boston. And Talking about controversy, I knew that I can get some hate because 
my rent was pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And so I posted it and the video went viral. And one of the first comments was like, daddy's money or something like this. Mm-hmm. And I responded, you're totally right. My parents have been supporting me for most of my life. And then this thread went viral and people were like, wow, this is so nice that you actually acknowledge your privilege. And then I was like, all right, I'm getting around hundreds of comments like this. So mm-hmm. it seems like this topic is interesting. So maybe I can turn this into my niche. And yes. this is what happened. Now I'm talking about this. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Like I said, I think it's great. And so, you know what? Speaking about shadow bands, I we're going to get deep into shadow banning and media and media control and programming later through this episode. But I think my right now on TikTok, for example, I'm at a million followers. Tell me why I'm getting engagement of someone that maybe has like 30K followers. I think you are receiving a lot of more engagement than I am. And I've been doing this for a really long time. And I think it's because I'm hitting the nail for them. Any video that I talk about marriage, that I talk about unity, that I talk about family, TikTok sends me a message because I get paid through, I'm sure you're getting paid through TikTok as well, but I get paid through TikTok. Anytime that I make a video about those subjects TikTok disqualifies my videos to get receive income anytime that I'm speaking about it so and not just that but now they're starting to lower down my engagement as well I mean you can go on my account now and see how poorly my vlogs are doing and my vlogs used to get like at least 50k uh 50k to 100k which was you know pretty decent because it's not my niche So I completely understand you. And I did the same thing. I opened up my Spanish account. My Spanish account is doing a lot better with engagement than my English account. And I just opened it last month and I'm already at 260K followers on TikTok, which just shows me that the content that I'm putting out is good. I just think that I'm being shadow banned or monitored on my English one because I've received some type of influence. And I think that it's a form of, you know, control. For sure. It's censorship, but that's the benefit of being bilingual, right? So you can fix the truck. Exactly my point. So that's that I'm kind of on that journey as well. I'm getting very frustrated with my English account. So I might just go back to where I'm appreciated, which is my Spanish mm-hmm. account. Um, but that's I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And I'm glad that you turned it into a blessing. We have a mantra here. Don't get mad, get paid. And you found a way to get paid. So I'm very happy for you. Um, Amazing. And listening, so listening to you saying that you created a new account and everything like that, where do you see yourself being with social media within the next six months? Mm-hmm. So I'm actually not monetized on TikTok since we talked about it. And my goal was never to make money out of social media. Okay. My goal was just to talk about my stories and making sure that people have transparency. And then I realized that I'm just one person. That's why I decided that I'm going to create a media production company Mm -hmm. where I will be creating YouTube series, where I will be getting privileged people who are willing to admit their privilege. That's why the reason why I have TikTok today is not to make money, but to slowly transition my audience from my TikTok, which is a personal thing, to my business, which is going to be a media production company. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal for now. I love that. I love that. I'm also in the works of doing the same thing. Um, But for me, it'll be kind of like more new. uh, I want to be like the next Steve Harvey or Mm -hmm. just have a talk show. Same thing as you, similar concept, but um, mine would be more of maybe leading the middle middle class. I see myself being in the high, speaking to like high middle class earners and Obviously, globally, it's it's not necessarily for one type of group, but I, I completely know where you're going and I, I see your vision and I totally see you doing that and achieving that within the next couple of months. I'm excited for you. <laughs> I'm very excited for you. And it sounds like we're already building the bridge between different social classes. So I'm going to be expecting many cool collaborations between us. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's why I'm like, girl, oh my gosh. Like you. Oh, oh, yes. I'm going to be like, they're knocking on your door. Like, hey, hey. <laughs> but I will be knocking on yours as well. I know. Right. I know. And, and you could probably help me out too, because I'm receiving a lot of you know, I receive clients from all over the world and a lot of them sometimes they're so out of touch with, I say they're out of touch with reality, but I mean, it's because, you know, they got, they got a head start of life and I'm 
sometimes my hands are tied with the advice that I could give to them because even though I do come from like a middle uh, middle class earning family, like the high middle class earning family, uh, that was first gen, I guess, first gen in the, in the US who really started making good income. Like my dad makes like an average of 400 to 500K, which to me, it's not a lot because we live in California and those 400K to 500K disappear very fast, uh, especially when you have children. But it did give me the, the privilege of going to the Disney trips, going to, you know, traveling a little bit, a little bit more, experiencing different things. Um, so but there's other people that have a lot more than that. And so when I talk to them and they're like, it's just you don't get it. I this is like my reality. And it's like, OK. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to help yeah. you. So I'm definitely going to be reaching out and being like, hey, what would you recommend for me to tell XYZ person? I'm lost. That's so funny. But you know, the salary which you have mentioned. So because I'm talking about privilege, I was looking into what is considered lower class, middle class and upper class in America. And mm-hmm. uh, I will check it out later. So I don't want to quote a wrong phrase. But I think if you are making over 200K, even in America, you're already considered upper class. What? Yes, uh, like of way. course, of course, in uh, different states, and as you are talking about in different cities, your salary goes away right away because rent is so unaffordable, mortgages, and all of this. But I think only top one percent of earners have more than two hundred thousand <laughs> cars. <laughs> Did I just out myself? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's so crazy! Yeah, and I mean, I'm, it's it's not to say like my dad. My dad makes pretty good, uh, pretty good income, um, and our lives like definitely changed as soon as that position. Um, and he did tell me, you know what? My dad did tell me he's like, yeah, I make like top five percent of like America's income, and it didn't really hit me until I got older, and I was like, oh my gosh, my dad does so much. So I think I just added myself. <laughs> Girl, you're upper class. You're not middle class. <laughs> attention back to you give us a breakdown <laughs> of your content give us a breakdown of your content for those who might be listening to you for the first time I know you talked about how you speak from a pers- uh, like a privileged perspective but now that we know that you're going to build your media company what specific controversies are you giving to the public mm-hmm. so I think my biggest problem with the media today and with the way how rich people are seen in general is because we are getting the image from reality shows like Selling Sunset. And to mm-hmm. me, it looks like cosplay of rich people because that's not how wealthy people talk. That's not how they dress. But mm-hmm. because the majority of people don't have access to the top 1%, they consider that this is how it's actually done. When mm-hmm. in reality, wealthy parents, they make sure that you focus on your education, that you focus on helping people around you. Of course, not everybody wants you to help others around, but if you have good parents. But the problem with this is that we have those divisions between different social classes. And there is this narrative that rich people are evil and, for example, less fortunate people, they're lazy, which is not true. Both of those statements are not true. And all of this agenda is only dividing us further. How can mm-hmm. we understand each other if we are told that we have to hate each other, right? Mm-hmm. That somebody is better. And for example, when people are saying, oh, I'm not wealthy because I have morals. To me, it sounds mm-hmm. like an excuse because media is telling you if you're wealthy, it means you're a bad person at your core. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to build a bridge because wealth gap is only going to be growing if we don't have open conversations mm-hmm. and i want to make sure that i have i give access to people to the information with which my parents were raising me so i want to give them advices of wealthy parents even if they don't have those i love that and and i can see that working out for you and you know what i think we might have something a similar agenda because uh it, it's it's right up in that alley because I think that that is very true. There's the separation of di- and this division of like, if you're poor, you're a victim. And if you're rich, mm-hmm. you're like, you're, you're privileged and you have life easy, but that's not true. And that's so interesting that you say about, you know, selling sunsets. That's not how rich people talk. That's not how rich people uh, communicate. And that's so true. Whenever 
I'm going to be so honest with you. Whenever I went to different seminars and I was in the room with multimillionaires and people that had startups and people that were very, very wealthy, they were one of the kindest people, one of the most humble people I had ever met. And they were so down to earth. I'm not saying that all of them are like this, right? But mm-hmm. whenever this mantra or this motto started coming out, like with kill the rich or something like that, or like destroy the rich or disappear. Do, do you know which phrase I'm speaking of? Eat the rich eat the rich that bugged me i understand that it's for specific a specific type of rich but when i put when you put a face to those who are wealthy and that are good they're going to get affected by this motto because the general population doesn't really understand the difference between like wealthy to really wealthy to like people that are crazy with money because they're too there's there's people that are crazy that are like selfish and whatnot and to have money, but there's other people that have an abundance of money because their mindset got them there and they're protecting their family and their communities around them because they want the same. So I completely agree with you. Totally on it. That that's. Yeah, I actually do agree with it. The rich though, because I think that <laughs> the way the rich is avoiding tax loopholes today is what's extremely problematic and the majority of people are trying to avoid paying taxes instead of making sure that their community are growing with help of those taxes so there is this amazing group which is called patriotic millionaires Uh you can go on their website and you can see their emissions Uh so yes of course there are good rich people and there are bad rich people but it's like this in every social class right you can find good and bad people everywhere Uh but because we just have more access to the information about rich people, it's easier to generalize them, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I think I'm just too new to the to the eat the rich thing, just because mm-hmm. I, I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, but either way, like whenever I go down that rabbit hole of looking at eat the rich, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is intense. Not for me, not today, TikTok. And I just like scroll <laughs> over it because it, it doesn't, it doesn't bring me a good uh like a good feeling but i understand like why people would want that like i I completely understand now have you seen the movie called parasite no i have not i highly recommend watching it so it's this korean movie and uh, without spoilers it's about this rich family who are good rich right but when the revolution starts nobody's gonna be safe because People already have those hard feelings toward rich people and they're going to generalize everybody. So it's going to be interesting to see how the world develops towards their relationship, towards how they see wealthy and privileged people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. But see, we're just fighting against each other. And, and that's how you're saying that we're just fighting against each other. If everybody had some common knowledge and was open to communication things would be a lot better but because a lot of people are their triggers get in the way and that's why in my some of my youtube videos i say don't listen to me with your triggers listen to me with your hearts and your your hearts and your ears because when you listen with your triggers you don't listen you just get exactly. triggered you just get mad and when you get mad you lose sense of everything and that's when it's easy for people to like manipulate you because you're not emotionally disciplined so i i completely it's it's so frustrating but let's get into today's main topic so now for the audience that's listening if you haven't not watched if you haven't listened or read the book 1984 you might be a little bit confused on what we're going to be talking about but we are going to summarize it for you uh so that you can kind of understand so albina is going to go ahead and say her summary like a, a quick summary of the book for those that haven't heard it yet read it yet xyz so if, would you mind giving us a summary yes so i'm gonna give a general summary so in case your audience wants to read the book or listen to the book later we're not giving them any spoilers mm-hmm. but here's the general information so 1984 first of all it was published in 1949 so it was after world war ii and george orwell he was inspired by USSR and Nazi Germany. And people actually don't understand how young those regimes were. And a lot of people were trying to make predictions on how a totalitarian state will look like in the future. So George Orwell was one of the people who was trying to make those predictions and this is what he's doing in 1984. 
So what is the book about? There is a main character, his name is Winston Smith, and he's a low ranking member of the party. So there is an outer party and the inner party. He's a member of the outer party and he works at the Ministry of Truth, which is of course, Ministry of Lies, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And as he's working there, he starts feeling frustrated with the regime, which is the big brother. And the big brother controls every aspect of people's life in Oceania. This is where they're located. This is one of three superpowers. And Big Brother also invented a new language, which is called Newspeak. And they're doing this in order to eliminate any political rebellion attempts. So there are even thought crimes and thought police. So you cannot even think and consider being rebellious. So party controls absolutely everything, what people read, what they're speaking about, what they're doing, because there are cameras absolutely everywhere. So you're always under the watch. And there's also this room 101 where you will go if you commit any punishments. So I'm not going to also spoil what is the room 101, but just so you understand, this is the room for punishment if you commit, for example, a thought crime. Mm-hmm. But overall, the main themes are talking about the mass media control, government surveillance, and totalitarianism, and how one dictator can manipulate and control history, thoughts, and lives in a way that nobody can escape it. So this main character, Winston, he starts rebelling by keeping a secret diary of his thoughts. So he's not even doing anything. He's just writing down his notes and he's sharing his thoughts, and he already understands that this is a crime. And later he meets another character, her name is Julia, and they engage in a romantic relationship. And of course, this is a crime as well, because in Oceania, you only have sex to reproduce, and they did it for pleasure, so they're already criminals. So you can see how their relationship develops and what goes on later. But what is the most frightening thing about this book? is that the complete control of the entire nation is perfectly possible. And we're talking about thought police in Oceania, but we can compare it with morality police in Iran today, which was invented in 1979. So Mm. all of this is already happening. And I think as we will be deep diving into this, I will also give you more examples from real life today as well. Wow, thank you for your summary. And I, and I really hope that a lot of my ladies listen to this. I know that we like to talk about relationships, relationships here, self-development, self-improvement, and you need to, if you have not yet gone into all of this, I need you to start now because this this is gonna be a very, it's just imperative for all my ladies to get into this because we are gonna be the leaders and we are gonna be the educators for our society that's to come. Right now, we are in a, in a place, in a position that if you want to get wealthy and rich, this is a time to do so, but you need to be looking at the right things. Um, so in short, George Orwell speaks about mind control and programming. Do you think mm-hmm. our generation is facing a specific form of programming? Some refer to it as, quote unquote, the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Yes, it's already happening, of course. And uh, I think the two main examples are advertisement and social media. Mm-hmm. So I can give you an example on how TikTok is being used in two different countries. So let's take China, where TikTok is originated from, and America, United States, right? Mm-hmm. So did you know that in China, users who are under 14 are required to use teenage mode? Do you, have you heard of this? I, th- I think I have. So what it means is that anybody who's under 14 in China, they have access to TikTok for only 40 minutes a day. And this access is only between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. And the reason why it's in place is to ensure that teenagers are getting healthy sleep and they're not scrolling endlessly through the night. Because how can you be a good productive student if you are not getting a good sleep, right? But in America, there is nothing even close to this. And the biggest problem is that we're also consuming extremely different content. So in China for teenagers, they're only showing inspiring and educational content. Do you understand how different it is to America? Mm. Where we are constantly consuming content which can literally make you depressed. Mm -hmm. And in 2021, 57% of girls already stated that they feel sad or hopeless as teenagers. 
and nearly one in three girls seriously considered attempting suicide. Wow. Yeah, no, no, no. And I mean, it's a, it's a big problem. And a lot of my colleagues talk about like relationship corn, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a relationship corn, or again, comparing your life to someone to someone else's life. There, there's just so much that goes into it. Continue. Of course, there are also downsides to what is happening in China, right, with this teenage mode, because Mm -hmm. this is a form of censorship. And Mm -hmm. of course, they're getting educational content, inspiring content, but also pro-China content. So Mm -hmm. they're not exposed to different political views, for example. Mm -hmm. Are teenagers in America really exposed to different views as well, right? You can ask those difficult questions, because if you have a For You page, you're already consuming content only which you agree with. So you're never critically challenged, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But on top of this in America, you're also constantly consuming content about uh, Kardashians, and I have nothing against them. But for example, you're not getting this educational content, which leads you towards making sure that you are comparing yourself and you're already... Are you watching those videos where those 12 years old girls have like 12 skincare step routine? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm like, not even not even me. Or the right now, no hate to people that get Botox or fillers, but how every every time I scroll at least, a lot of women look the same because they're getting the same um face tweaks and they're so young. They're my age, I'm 24, and a lot of them are you know, 20 to 23, and they're already tweaking their face. And at some point I was like, should I get some? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Did I get something done? But I, I completely agree with you. And I see that a lot where a lot of these young girls, they have these 12 steps routine or like they yeah. have like these very aesthetic uh, lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Because we're sold to mm-hmm. things, right? Everything is an advertisement. People don't understand it, but everything which we consume, no matter what type of video it is, they're trying to sell something to you, either a product or an idea. So is it programming? Is it matrix? Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And, and I completely agree with you and how we were just speaking about it in the beginning. I mean, I also think that there's obviously a political spectrum that has to do with all of this. But now that I, for example, I've been on TikTok for a bit now and I have a million followers. But with that, they've been adding new features where they want me to promote. They want me to be a part of different challenges. They want me to be like selling things, but I refuse to. And because I refuse to, that's another reason why my engagement isn't as high as it was before. Uh, but mm-hmm. what I think TikTok is trying to do is get the U.S. so hooked with people being um, employed through TikTok that the United States won't be able to say at some point, like, let's stop with this TikTok thing because it will be literally leaving a lot of people without jobs. For example, like just off of TikTok, I'm going to be so transparent here. I make about six thousand um, dollars mm-hmm. just off of TikTok. I'm not getting paid through YouTube yet. I will be soon. But for me, at this moment in time, that would be a big loss for me if something were to happen between political spectrums in the United States and in TikTok. That's why I'm not promoting anything. I don't want to make more money on TikTok because in a way, TikTok now has control over how much money I make. So when they disqualify a video that shouldn't be making money or disqualify a video when I speak about marriage, um, you know, healthy habits, different things like that, that they don't agree with, that's a problem. Like we we are starting to see this in today's day and age of mass media control. For sure. And bringing it back to George Orwell, another factor of programming and metrics, which I see is surveillance. So in George Orwell, there are cameras everywhere and mm-hmm. you cannot escape them. But it was the government who was recording you, right? But we made it so easy that people are buying those cameras themselves. And the biggest fear before was being seen. And now we're scared that people are not watching us. Mm -hmm. So we're willingly given all of this data (laughs) without understanding what we're doing. And you and I, we're both like active on social media. So we are victims of this, right? Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much, we were convinced, here's the camera, you can become famous or use it for whatever purpose you want. And we, as a government, don't even have to try to put cameras everywhere because you're willingly doing it by yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That is so, so true. And you know, when you think about it, the reason why, well, at least for me, the reason why I did this was because now that I am being seen, I can go ahead and afford, afford school. So a little mm-hmm. background about me, if you didn't know this, I had to stop my studies because of the pandemic and I couldn't afford it to go back to school. But now that I'm running my business and I'm getting paid and I, now that I'm married and my husband takes care of the bills, I can focus on my studies and focus on things that I actually want to do and be more alert to these types of to these types of conversations. But I, I completely agree with you. This is this is where they grab you in a way where you're kind of dependent on them. Yeah, they they give us an opportunity. So it seems like you have to catch this opportunity, right? Yes. But at the same time, it's dangerous. So just like with everything, there are pros and cons. You just have to be extremely mindful. Mm-hmm. I, I completely, completely agree. And which this leads me to a specific scene in the book. I'm going to go ahead and read a short bit of it so that people understand what I'm talking about. But in the uh, going back to George Orwell, 1984, um, Winston is talking about the children and how the children are terrifying. <laughs> how they're almost terrifying because... You can get, Mm -hmm. you know, in this dystopian novel, you can get in trouble for simply being called a criminal. And that crime is like you having a thought crime, for example, of not thinking the way that, uh, you know, the government wants you to think. And uh, specifically, this is from the book. Um, Let me go ahead and read. Just like a super, super short. Uh, Where is it? The songs, I'm going to cut this short. Okay. It was almost normal for for people over 30 to be frightened of their own children, and with good reason, for hardly a week passed in which the Times did not carry a paragraph describing how some eavesdropping little sneak, or little sneak, quote-unquote, child hero was... Uh, was a phrase generally used, had overheard some, com- uh, what is it, compromising remark and denounced its parents t- to the thought police. So here in this, in the specific scene, or in the specific scene, he's describing how every single week, a child would eavesdrop on their parents and say, hey, my parent had a thought crime. And they would, you know, put them in that one room that we were talking about earlier or they would give them to the, to, to the thought police. And this is, again, coming from George Orwell. And I don't know about you, Albina, but, but what your thoughts are. But I think that we are seeing this in today's day and age. Since both parents have to go to work, their children can be influenced by social media, political parties, and people who might not have their best interests in mind. So I see a lot of different things on social media where their parents, you know, were, I mean, not the parents, where the children are either calling, you know, CPS or now they can't even share their medical records with their parents at age, I think, 12. Or there might be a younger age where the parents can't know their information anymore. Uh, what do you think about all of this? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic, especially with everything which is going on in my home country, Ukraine, and what is going on with Russia. So before answering your question, I wanted to share a quick story with you. Mm-hmm. So this year, there is this girl, she's 12 years old, and her name is Masha Maskalova. So she goes to this public school in Russia, and they were given an assignment to just draw some pictures. And she drew a picture, and it said, glory to Ukraine and no to war. And she was reported by her teachers to the police. Oh my... Mm-hmm. So she was reported, and of course, her dad was called out. He's uh, a single dad, so he was the only one who was raising her. And he's against the war in Ukraine as well. And he was sharing those thoughts with her. And of course, this is where she also got those ideas. But in Russia right now, if you slightly even show a sign of supporting Ukraine, it's jail time. You're discredited in Russian army. So what has happened to this family? He was sent to jail for discrediting Russian army, and he no longer has any custody towards her. And oh. she was taken away by social services. And the crazy oh. part, Carla, she was reported by her own teachers, teachers. talking about totalitarian state where nobody is safe, a child is not safe. So, as, going back to your question, right? Should parents even share? the ideas with their children 
if they know that those ideas are going to be dangerous in the society. Like right now, I'm not American, right? But mm -hmm. I see that there is the right opinion and the wrong opinion. Mm -hmm. And if you're, for example, not to make it too political, right? But for example, if you're a Republican and you are in a liberal city, you're probably not going to be that open with your thoughts because it means you're not progressive or something like this. Mm -hmm. So is it better to teach a child and create censorship in the house to make sure that they're safe in the outside world? Or is it better to be honest with your children and putting them under the risk that then they go to school and somebody else will judge their opinions? Mm -hmm. so and it will all go back to you, right? It'll go back to the parents. Exactly. So, of course, it's extremely challenging when both of the parents are working because they don't have time to spend as much time with the child and explain how the world works, what is okay to share with and what is not okay to share with. That's why children are pretty much raised, as you have said, by social media, by uh, just TV. And how can they make an individual opinion at such a young age? They can't. It still has to be parents' responsibility because when you make a decision to be a parent, you have to understand that you will have to educate your children on such difficult topics, no matter how busy you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I think that that's where the problem lies. A lot of these parents don't have the energy to. I mean, I was a nanny for some time, and both of the parents were working, and um, they really had enough time to to even raise, not to raise the children, but to speak to them because they were so exhausted from work. It's difficult, right? Because in America, the system today is built this way that only ultra wealthy can afford to have only one person working. In every other case, both of the parents usually have to work. So a child is pretty much raised by somebody else. Yeah. And unfortunately, so I was the one raising the those because it was three girls and I was raising them and I was teaching them how to like speak, communicate, how to say thank you, how to say please and different things like that. And the parents were just so exhausted that they couldn't, <laughs> they could not. Exactly. It becomes today, I think it's a privilege to have time to raise a child. Mm -hmm. I, yep. I completely agree. And, um, you know, just to finish with this, with this question and this topic, I think that that is one of my biggest motors of why I do what I do and why I think I will continue to pursue this career and this path. It's because I want to have that privilege of being able to raise my children and not be scared because it, can, it has come to a point, at least here um, in the U.S., where everything is so expensive that the only thing that can protect you is money and your education. The more money you have, the more ability you're able to say, no, we are not doing this. Or yes, we are doing this. The more education you have, you're able to speak on subjects and understand different thought processes that maybe someone without the education could not. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Like, for example, it is very tempting to just one day just give it all up and go spend all my money and things like, and, and just things in general and, and, and experiences. But because I'm playing the long-term goal and I'm young right now, I'm using all this energy to invest it in building something for my family. And fortunately, I found a person who is also aware of all the struggles that America is facing or the United States is facing. He sees it the same way that I do. And we're taking actions to protect our future family. Does that make sense? That's amazing. Yes, it totally makes sense. And I think a lot of people also think that money is the end goal, but people have to shift this mentality and understand that this is just a tool which helps yes. you to reach your goal. Yes, because, and, and you know, once I started seeing it this way, I started seeing my relationship with money has become a lot better because I'm not seeing money as an end goal. The end goal is not money. Like the end goal is being able to have a voice now. That That's unfortunately where we where we have come, where to be able to have a voice and have impact, you need a, you need these resources. And I'm very aware of this. And I think that um, in the path that I'm, that we're going on, this is going to be, this is the only way that I'm seeing it through for me and my family, to be completely honest with you. Makes total sense. Um, 
let's jump jump into this other question that i have here for you i saw one of your older videos you stated pov you feel like the world is ending but nobody's talking about it or taking it seriously do you still feel the same i know that this was posted july 2020 so this was like middle of the pandemic uh do you still feel this way or what has changed since then i'm 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 feeling worse i think (laughs) it's, it's even worse now so it did change, but it progressed in a negative direction. And the reason why I'm feeling this way and also bringing it back to America and George Orwell, there are certain topics which Americans are discussing, the big problems, for example, climate change. And I'm not saying that this is not important. It's an extremely important issue. And we should all work towards making sure that we're all providing some input from our side. But then there are so many topics which you can barely find in American news. I'm going to start with Iran, right? So, of course, everybody heard of uh, Masha Amini and the morality police mm-hmm. and how she was, ex- like, they're not saying that she was executed, but we all understand what has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it leads towards more citizens being publicly executed. And we are not talking about this. And then the concern in part for me is that Iran is in a very close relationship with Russia. And Russia has 6,000 nuclear weapons. Guys, this is more than any other country in the world. And we understand what they're doing to Ukraine, and we understand what Iran is doing to its own citizens, what Russia is doing to its own citizens. But we're ignoring this. And then let's talk about America. As of 2021, there are 40 million Americans who are in poverty. And this is just an official number. I checked that the poverty line in America for a single household is considered $12,000. So if you are making $15,000 a year, you are not even considered in this poverty line. So 40 million is just an official number. But mm-hmm. what is the actual number? Why are we, of course, I'm, I don't want to sound drawn and insensitive, but why are we only focusing on climate? Because I feel the reason why it's happening is because this is a long-term action and we all can pretend that we're taking action. Politicians can pretend that they're speaking with some companies and they're trying to make progress. Guys, you have 40 million Americans in poverty and you can take action immediately right now, but you choose not to do this. Mm -hmm. So yes, I feel like the world is getting worse. Then let's see what is happening in Afghanistan. The war is over and people think that the war is the worst time of all. But for them, UN has rated them the unhappiest country in the world after the war. And we all know what has happened after America has left Afghanistan, right? And how they left so many people who were working for Americans there. So I always think about those social issues, and that's why I don't sleep well at night. But (laughs) it's better not to consume those news. But yes, I feel like the world is ending, and people are not taking it seriously enough. is still trying to figure themselves out and trying to place himself in a position of influence to influence and embody this um, movement and energy of change how can i but how can i also protect myself because let's be honest if i started speaking about these issues right i think it would turn off a lot of my audiences unfortunately that's just the way that it is And not only would it turn off a lot of my audiences, but also I am not in a position to speak at the moment, not just because of my certifications or anything like that, but also because you might be gone gone after. If you say a a comment and you have a big enough influence, you might be uh, targeted to be silenced. I mean, let's look at what's happening to uh, Jordan Peterson. I don't know Mm -hmm. what all of you guys feel about Jordan Peterson, but I just want to speak about this particular topic that he is going uh, under investigation and maybe his license, his therapeutic license, or he's a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, Canada's thinking about taking his license out because he had, I guess, what we would call it like a, a thought crime. And he spoke it out on Twitter and said the truth. And a lot of people, a lot of Canadians agree with him on a specific political topic. And now he's going through, through court to see if his, um, his license is going to be suspended or if he has to go through quote unquote retraining because he has his own thoughts. So it's like, what are we supposed to do? Someone that is young like us, someone that loves to do research, but 
doesn't want to put themselves through the through the fire just yet. So I think if you don't want to talk about something publicly, you can always start with having those conversations with your family and with your friends. For example, once again, once the war has started in Ukraine and Russia, a lot of people, a lot of Russians, they didn't agree with what their government was doing. And it was the younger generation, right? And they also couldn't post about it online because they knew that they would be either taken to prison, they would be sent to war, That's why they didn't make it public, which I don't support, but I understand. Mm -hmm. But they started talking to their parents, who the majority of them support Putin, for example. And having those difficult conversations with your parents can also be extremely important and with your friends, because we're always talking about spreading awareness. But spreading awareness is not just posting something on your story. It's a great action, but it doesn't end there. The goal is to have a good conversation because Carlo, you also told me that you are doing speech and debate, I think. Yes. And the first thing they teach you speech and debate 101 is when you have a conversation, you don't come there to prove your point. You have to come there with an open mind and you have to Mm -hmm. hear the other person and try to learn from a different perspective. But what happens today is that while the other person is speaking, you're not listening. You are thinking of a comeback. Mm-hmm. So in the end of the day, both people are leaving the conversation. Nobody convinced the other person in anything, but nobody even learned. And that's the hardest part. We're all preaching open-mindedness, but it ends at the point where it doesn't align with what we see as open-mindedness. Yes, yes. And I and I completely agree with that. And it's, you know, it has to do with, you know, our For You page, how everything is so tailored to us and how that's actually dangerous. And that's so funny that you say that. That's actually one of the reasons why I went back to school. I was like, mm-hmm. I hear myself talk all the time. My For You page is with, filled with people and women that agree with me. I need to put myself in a, in a position where I can hear other people's perspectives in person. So that I know how to communicate my thoughts effectively without getting upset, without getting triggered, and maybe learning a, a, a thing or two to understand other people. But that takes work, accountability, and discipline. A lot of people are not, they just can't. And, it, and it's so sad. And so, with it, which this leads me to my next question. I consider you to be one of one of the very few people around me with emotional discipline. How did you master the art of self-control? That's a good question. Honestly, after I read your questions, I called my parents and I was like, guys, how do you think I mastered this? (laughs) (laughs) And my parents tell me that often we try to understand the other person without understanding why we want to understand them in the first place. So we jump into understanding somebody else without understanding the roots of why we have this desire in the first place. And understanding yourself is the most difficult part of all. For example, when somebody tells me something and it triggers me, it's not them who triggered me. It's something internally which triggered me, which I didn't work through, which now I have to deal with. So my parents always taught me to connect with my emotions. I'm a very sensitive child. Cancer is my zodiac sign, so maybe that's why. (laughs) But I always saw that my sensitive nature is my biggest weakness. And then my parents taught me that it's actually my biggest blessing because I can not only feel my own emotions, but I can also relate to how people whose experience is not close to mine at all but I can understand them as well. And you trying to make this internal work and turning your weaknesses into your strength is what can turn it into a discipline. You have to find challenges, small like domestic challenges every day and try to find a creative solution for this. That's how you will be challenging yourself every day. And then you will notice how your habits change. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort. It's so much easier said than done. And it's also way easier when you're working through this with a therapist, which unfortunately today is also a huge privilege. So if you don't have access to therapy, I recommend going on YouTube and watching videos on how to set boundaries. Because in today's world, it seemed like, 
no, today it's better, but before it's like, if you have boundaries, you're almost rude. And now we're starting this conversation about boundaries. So go watch those videos, go read those books and start challenging those toxic friends by setting the boundaries because people will only start respecting you when you respect yourself and your space. Mm. So I don't know where I went with this rant about <laughs> no, your no, question. Okay. We need it. No, no, we need it. We need it. People need, people need it here because the more people I bring into the, uh, the podcast, we all go back to the same thing, which is internal work. It's doing the inner work yourself and challenging yes. yourself uh, because at the end of the day, that's what we all need to do. We need to consistently challenge ourselves to think outside the box, to think outside of our world so that we can touch base with other people around our community. And we're, we're forgetting that there's other people apart from us that exist. So I, I really like that perspective. And, um, and another thing is, if you don't have time, because a lot of people are working and going to school and doing different things, and s- replace different things in your life, make these habits feasible to you. So instead of listening to music, for example, put on an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Put on an audiobook. 100%. Because that's going to help you so much better. I mean, or so much more. If you're working out, I know that sometimes it's hard to listen to audiobooks while you're, while you're like running or something. But even if you're stuck in traffic, for example, remember our mantra is don't get mad, get paid. Instead of getting mad mm-hmm. that you're in traffic, start using it to your benefit. Listen to an audiobook and really sink into those thoughts while you're like literally not even moving five miles per hour because you're stuck in traffic use that time to get I'm a big person to like monetize everything (laughs) monetize everything because it's like there's there's nothing better to do so monetize that time and trust me you are going to see a difference in the way that you think you're going to start expanding your vocabulary and you're going to be able to work with different people around you and place yourself in a position of leverage. Um, and, And that's what you want to get those if you want higher experiences if you want to elevate your life, you need to elevate your mind first. And you only elevate your mind by controlling your emotions, regulating mm-hmm. yourself and having accountability. So I, I thank you, Alvina, for sharing your perspective onto how you can dominate your emotions and really have self-control to understand other people. Yeah, just one thing I want to add to this. Don't try to change your entire life in one day. You oh, will yeah. get overwhelmed and you will quit it in one week. Start small, like as Carla said, just in the morning as you're working out, listen to a podcast and turn it into a habit. And then in the months, add something to it. For example, now when you're going for a walk, you're also listening to this documentary. But don't do it all in one day. Like from today, I'm going to work out. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to start journaling. I'm going to open my business. You will burn out in five days. It's mm-hmm. not sustainable. Make sure that you are creating sustainable habits for yourself and just add to it later yes exactly and this goes with everything and i i mean i i'm gonna be completely truthful and honest with all of you i'm consistently in the quantum realm so i can for example for me i can jump from one goal to the next into the next to the next very quickly because my foundation is so strong with my habits i couldn't i wouldn't be able to how do i say this I wouldn't be able to be here where I am today if it wasn't for that foundation, for the simplistic way that I did it. And I just found ways that these habits ended up working in my favor. But I started small. All of these things that all of you are seeing now, it took years of work. I'm talking about I started in middle school, you guys. This is years of my mind thinking this way. So you obviously can get to where I am if that's what you'd like I know a lot of you guys send me messages that you admire me and I'm an inspiration to you and if that's the goal know that I didn't do it in one week or two weeks now I'm able to achieve things in a week or two but a lot of the my foundation is strong this took me years to accomplish okay so be patient with yourself I completely agree with you now for our closing um being someone that wasn't born in the U.S., what is our biggest downfall you see in our mindsets as someone that's American like myself? So there is an amazing book. It's called Changing World Orders. If you don't want to read it, there is an amazing video on YouTube, which is just a summary of the book. 
And it's talking about the factors which help a nation to become a superpower and what are the signs when a nation is declining. Mm -hmm. And one of the major factors of decline is when the country is extremely divided. I think this is what is happening in America today. And I think we're also consuming very radical news from both sides. We're only seeing radical left and we're seeing radical right. Mm -hmm. And this makes us think that the other side is crazy. It's not me, it's the other side. They're the problem, I'm the solution. It's going back to our debate topic, right? Nobody's coming with an open mind. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it on a larger scale, that it's not just about you, but now it's about your country and that you're losing the status of a superpower. I think that should be very concerning because 100 years ago, everybody would come to America and there was American dream. Today, I understand that as depressing as it is, American dream is dead in my opinion mm -hmm. because there is monopoly on so many things. Everything is completely unaffordable. So it's not like you can come here and we hear those stories where immigrant parents, they're saying, I came here with $5 and I built this business. You can no longer come here with $5. You mm -hmm. will be gone in a day. Mm -hmm. So you have to look rationally at what is going on in this country. You have to understand with who you are competing, but you don't have to compete with each other. It's always easy to find what makes us different. But it's harder to understand that a lot of things are actually so similar. And at the, at the core, we want the same things. We want our children to attend good schools. We want our kids to be happy. And if you care about your child, my mom always tells me this, if you care about your child and their future, automatically you care about your community. Mm -hmm. So start with caring for yourself, for your family, and then you will see the progression how things are turning better. Stop looking for reasons to create this division because in my opinion, it's extremely dangerous and people do not un understand the extent of how dangerous it can get. I completely agree. And uh, what, do you, what do you see as our pro, like a good thing in our mindsets? So many, and I think people don't talk about it enough, right? So we're always focusing on the negative parts, but the reason why I came here in the first place is because I understood that I will not be able to get such an amazing education anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. The problem with this, though, is that I only was able to get this amazing education because I'm coming from a privileged background. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And the reason why I have a good job and a high salary today is also a result of my privilege. So there is this amazing foundation of education. Of course, it has a lot of problems in America as well, but compared to the rest of the world. You guys are so much ahead of everybody else. But the problem is that now getting this education also turns into a privilege. Mm -hmm. So why are Americans taking something which is so positive, something which makes them so strong and turn it into a negative where only a limited amount of people have access to this knowledge? So I was supposed to say a good thing, but I turned it into a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, I get it. I mean, it's it's easy to see the uh, the the blind spots, but I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, I would like to add also that I think that we're going we're going to go through a more um, tradi I don't want to say traditional route, but it's people are starting to wake up and starting to see the blessings and the benefits of family. At least where I am. Mm -hmm. I'm connecting with uh, with people that agree with me and they're they're doing the same thing and wanting the best, you know, for their family. Um, and the more you, the more people you get in contact with that think similarly to you, the better because you're able to build stronger communities and the more communities, the more spread, the more spread people are just aligned with each other. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. And uh, so for our last question some wise words from Alvina. <laughs> wise words for me. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, you got about here on Spotify. I have 8,000 people, 8,300 listeners. So just, hi, guys. Just, <laughs> just saying. So I think, you know, my parents always told me that 
you can say whatever, words don't matter. So instead of words, I'm gonna ask you for a challenge. We talked a lot about open-mindedness. We talked about George Orwell. And I would challenge you today to message or to call your friend with who you have extremely different opinions about particular topics and have this discussion with an open mind. Don't come there to change his or her mind, but come to listen and come and be prepared to actually change your mind. Because a lot of people see you not being right and changing your mind as a weakness, but it's our biggest strength to admit that we were wrong because this is the only way to grow. You cannot grow if you stick with the same beliefs for your whole life. And it applies to everything, to personal life, to business, to every sphere in your life. In order to grow, you have to be flexible and you have to know how to admit your mistakes. Because if you're not going to do it, you're never going to progress. So take this challenge, call your friend and share with Carla after what, what, mind, what opinion have you changed today. <laughs> Right. I completely agree with you. Uh, so take take that challenge and remember how I always say, words don't prove anything. Actions do. So take that with you today. And that's going to be the end of our podcast episode. Thank you so much, Albina, for saving time. Thank you, Carla. It's such an honor to be here.